We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing esports entrepreneurs. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. So all of our information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Matthew Gunnan. Matthew is the CEO and co-founder of Esports One. Esports One is an esports data and analytics company that is also an all-in-one fantasy esports platform. Prior to founding Esports One, Matthew had created the Leaguepedia, as well as worked with companies such as Unicron, Azuba, and Twitch. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good to be here. My pleasure. So to briefly introduce the topic, we're exploring esports entrepreneurs. So there's been a myriad of professionals that have created ancillary businesses related to the esports and gaming space. This includes PR and marketing firms, law firms and financial advisory firms, as well as even data and analytics companies who compile and sell user data to interested parties such as brands. So now we know a bit more about the evolving esports business world. Tell us a bit about your past esports experience. How'd you get into all this? 
Yeah. So uh, again, thank you for having me, Justin. So I've I've been in esports for going on probably eleven years now. I uh, I started, as you mentioned, started my first company. Uh, I was working at Rackspace in San Antonio out of college. I was there for about three or four years, and while I was uh, while I was working there, I was I was managing a team of you know engineers and. Uh, support staff. And we, at the end of every day of our shift, we'd always go back over to this friend's house, one of the guys that worked for us. And we would, um, he introduced me to League of Legends. And this was right during, you know, the beta. This was in the early, early days of League. And, uh, and so, you know, ended up getting hooked to it, just played it every after, after work every day, you know, just really kind of enjoyed, uh, you know, kind of just the competition. It was an entirely different genre. I played you know, MOBAs a little bit before, but nothing like League. And anyway, the the season one world championships happened and uh, it led to a lot of people looking for sort of a informational resource, something to kind of like schedule stats on the players, just more, they wanted more information on Fnatic who ended up winning the season one championships. And so I ended up launching Leaguepedia, which quickly became, you know, one of the larger, you know, esports websites at the time. And after about six months of uh, running, you know, Leakpedia, you know, spending 40, 50 hours a week kind of building out Leakpedia and then also still staying at my day job, I ended up leaving to, to uh, you know, pursue esports full time. And, you know, from there, ended up selling Leakpedia about two years later to Curse Gaming, which was then acquired by Twitch and uh, went on and worked at. Azubu, as uh, which is a competitor to Twitch back in the day, and ran content and marketing there, and then joined Unicorn, which was a real money gambling company for esports, and uh, was there for about a year or so before I started Esports One. And so, yeah, so it's been a it's been a you know a long sort of uh, little career, I should say, for uh, having been in esports. But you know, the good thing about kind of seeing multiple sides of the space is you really kind of get to see where the area of opportunity really is. You get to see kind of what problems were being faced, where, you know, where you kind of needed to kind of, you know, put your attention towards. And the big area for us, especially while I was at Azubu, while I was at Unicorn, was around the data and around how, you know, how the stats and the information that was being shown you know, during a game, when when a kill happened, when a player <clears throat> bought a bought an item, whatever it might be, you know how we can actually access that information in real time without having to have someone manually sitting there watching the games themselves. And uh, and so when we started esports one, that was really the problem that we were solving was, you know, how can we capture information from the, you know, from the game, from the streams, the broadcast in real time without any, you know, reliance on a game publisher. And that's, you know, led to, to where we are today with, uh, with fantasy. Okay, cool. So I know you kind of mentioned kind of what you're doing there, but how did it kind of start? Was it just like noticing this need for data from, you know, every brand and company trying to get in the space, or do you just kind of love looking at the metrics and kind of finding similarities and patterns and kind of looking at the demographics? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur through and through. I started my first company when I was probably 14 or 15. And, um, and so I'm always looking for kind of what, you know, where, where companies can be formed, where kind of the opportunity is. 
And while I was at, um, so while I was at Azubu, we were trying to, you know, compete with Twitch and Twitch just before it was acquired by Amazon. And one of the, you know, kind of areas we put a lot of focus on was, you know, the esports uh, kind of esports broadcast. So we had, we held the rights, you know, as well as Twitch to the LCS and LEC broadcast. And so we would be able to stream those on Azubu. And one of the kind of, uh, one of the ways that we, you know, tried to differentiate ourselves was we looked at, all right, how can we make the broadcast more enjoyable or more informative and provide more, and, you know, context, more stats. And so while I was at, yeah, while I was at Azubu, we were trying to look at, you know, how we could just provide more context during, during the broadcast and provide more stats, more information. And so we'd have people manually sitting there during these games and they would be kind of updating this control panel. So you can imagine you have the stream, you know, this, this tournament going on, and then you have these stats that are showing around it. Maybe it's gold. And now, now law esports, you know, some of the, the streams and kind of websites, you know, provide this information uh, for you now. And, and it's really very similar to what law esports does today, but it required us at the time, because there was no API real time data or anything like that. It required us to, you know, manually sit there and, and input all this information. And whenever we did that, whenever we provided this kind of new experience, we saw our viewership numbers, you know, triple, quadruple, really, you know, and we were, you know, we weren't, we didn't have more viewers than Twitch, but we definitely were competing with them. And so while uh, when I then joined Unicorn, it was sort of the same problem. It was how can we make, you know, real time gambling a thing in esports without someone manually sitting there? and triggering, you know, that this kill just happened or, you know, who will get the next, you know, who will get first blood, these sort of real-time gambling, uh, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Yeah, basically. But it all, all centered back to needing, you know, someone manually sitting there. And, uh, and so what, when I kind of looked at the, the broader kind of problem or opportunity, it really kind of came to, if there's not a game publisher API that's real-time, which, you know, Riot just recently re- released a real-time API, and, and most game, you know, most new esports titles don't even have a in any sort of real-time API. But it came down to, all right, we need to build a computer vision, you know, real-time computer vision system that can watch these broadcasts in real time and then capture the data and you know recognize when something is happening and then store that data. And that kind of transformed into, okay, if we have this ability to know when something's happening during a broadcast, we can then build products on top of it. We could build broadcaster dashboards. We could build, you know, you know, kind of training educational modules. We can provide, you know, prediction kind of overlays and, and gamify viewing. And that's sort of kind of the premise of, all right, there's this big underlying opportunity that just really hasn't been tapped into and kind of when we started esports one it was with that sort of mindset of there's opportunity here we i know how to solve it i don't really know how big it's going to be i don't know what this big kind of you know 100 billion dollar you know idea is but i just know there's a big problem and i know that there's a way to solve it and now i just have to build a business around it and that's sort of what you know what really started esports one in the early days yeah, I mean, isn't that kind of how every great idea exists? Every company, it's like you find a problem, you identify a solution, and you just execute it on the best. 
Yeah, it's executing and then it's sort of the iteration part that's really kind of got us to where we are today of, of you know, of constantly, you know, building, building products, building solutions, but then looking at, okay, what is the next step from here and where, you know, where does monetization kind of take hold? Where does, you know, really the long-term growth uh, kind of, you know, really make the most sense? And the thing in esports is, you know, on the B2B side, there are, it's largely kind of, you know, it's largely owned by the game publishers because they own the IP. You know, a lot of the kind of B2B relationships will have to involve, I mean, if you're a tournament organizer, you know, event organizer, if you're going to run a League of Legends tournament, you know, you have to, you have to work with a game publisher. You have to work with Riot to get permission to actually, you know, run these tournaments. And, you know, if you're, and if you're doing a lot of just kind of the, you know, partnership side or, you know, it's harder to scale. It's harder to really kind of see the long-term scalability, especially if you're looking to kind of raise venture funding. And I think the the exciting thing about esports is that there's such a large audience. There's such a large consumer base. There's like, you know, there's billions of gamers worldwide and there's hundreds of millions of esports fans worldwide. And so there's, you know, there's an opportunity to really kind of take this, this solution that was being built, you know, around kind of the, you know, broader, you know, issue of just being able to recognize, you know, things that are happening in real time and then, you know, iterating over time to kind of find, all right, how does that translate to, you know, a consumer facing product? And, and that's where we've, you know, where we've had the most success when we looked at, you know, what does that mean when it comes to fantasy and how can we really, you know, iterate and build a fantasy platform that, you know, that it makes the most sense for esports consumers and esports fans. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 11th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. 
Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. So without just jumping to the fantasy platform just yet, I kind of wanted to highlight some of the growth that you guys have had. So is there really anything that's kind of stood out to you in the last few months or years that you've been working on the project? I was like, wow, this was just a huge deal that we got or a huge partnership. You know, when did you kind of feel like things were going the right direction? Well, I mean, eSport, we started, you know, the company about two and a half, three years ago. And one of our first partnerships that we had was with Riot. And so we signed a, a you know, a year long deal with Riot Brazil. And we basically built a, a, a dashboard, a, you know, a, broadcaster commentator dashboard for CB law. And basically what this dashboard did was while the commentators were, you know, were broadcasting or commentating an event there, they would have this, the second screen experience that would have all of these, you know, stats, historical data, you know, easy access kind of, you know, information as soon as a, you know, you can imagine as soon as a, a Baron or one of the objectives are taken you know, the commentators then get some sort of percentage that tells them, okay, when they take this objective, you know, they have a 70% win rate if they take it after 10 minutes. And these are kind of storylines that they can get, then incorporate into the broadcast. And when okay. we, we kind of, that, that gave validation for us early on, there wasn't, you know, a lot of, it wasn't a massive, you know, you know, six figure type deal. It was a, you know, nice kind of new source of revenue, but it really kind of just established validation for us and that yeah. not only validation, but also kind of gave us, you know, kind of a uh, level of authenticity that, okay, if a big game publisher, you know, can, can see value in just who we are and what we've built, you know, then that gives us a lot more headway when it comes to sitting down and, you know, trying to get meetings with other big name game publishers or, you know, big name partners, brands, whatever it might be. And that, you know, over time led to us, you know, working, doing partnerships with Acer and Twitch and, you know, a number of professional teams. And those were sort of the, you know, the catalyst that just really validated what we were doing. And I think that was, you know, that's what's kind of put us in a position that we are today is that that early validation that, okay, we're, we know the space well, we know, you know, how to, you know, look for areas of opportunity and we know how to solve it. And now it's just a matter of, uh, you know, building, you know, products that people want to use. And, and, uh, and so I would say just over time, those partnerships, you know, are, you know, what really gave us kind of that, yeah, it really kind of helped drive kind of the, the growth long-term for us where we are today. And that's led to us now having partners with, you know, Inven and Playful and U.GG. And, you know, we're partnered with 30, 40 different universities. And, you know, those are all recent partnerships that, you know, maybe they would still, you know, maybe we'd still be partners with them if we wouldn't have had that early success. But I know it was much easier kind of pointing back to that and, and saying, OK, we, we, you know, here's what we did before. Now, now you can trust that what I'm telling you that what we're going to do today 
isn't me just feeding you a you know a load of bs it's like we can actually execute on this together and and that's you know i think that's a lot of what's required in esports today is is because there's so many companies up and coming and just getting started that you need to find you know you need to find ways to validate you know your idea or what you're doing and and luckily we were able to do that early on yeah, so you know it's kind of like the proof of concept they say, where it's like, okay, like I have this idea, now I'm gonna apply it to this high level situation and show that it works. Right. So, exactly. you know, so I think that what's really unique, and when you're kind of comparing this to the more traditional sports broadcasters, it's like, you know, when they say on every time they score this many points by this half they win, it's kind of just these little added anecdotes that. NFL, you know, ESPN and Fox and CBS have these whole statisticians, these stat divisions that are constantly providing them with this unique insight. And this is what's happening. And they're just kind of keeping up with it. So it makes sense that this is what especially high level hyper consumer fans would want. They want to see this data. And it makes sense that you're that the kind of streams where you had this on Azubu were a lot bigger because you attracted this unique asset, this unique aspect that super fans want to see. They want to see the real-time stats. They want to see, you know, when this guy has this many kills by this point, he has this much of a chance of his team winning. And, you know, really just these advanced analytics that we as, you know, sports fans and which really kind of leads into the next thing is fantasy sports fans, whether it's football, baseball, or you know, the esports ones fantasy platform. So tell us a little bit about this and what you guys are doing over there in the fantasy esports space. Yeah, and kind of just the the touch on the traditional sports aspect. I think, you know, I'm a big college football fan and basketball and uh, UFC fan. And so one of the early uh, kind of analogs that we used was that we were building, you know, the bringing the yellow first down line to esports. You know, you have this bright yellow first down line that kind of guides the narrative during, you know, a football game. It's giving you an idea of what the, you know, the team of the ball, what their objective is. And, and, you know, we looked at it as kind of in the, you know, in the mind's eye of, okay, if, if that's the yellow first down line, you know, that's the, you know, you can't imagine watching a football game without that yellow first down line. All right. What is, what is missing within esports And, and uh, a lot of what we're doing when it comes to fantasy is kind of taking a, you know, a similar approach or similar kind of, uh, you know, mindset of, okay, what is, what is traditional sports? What have they done well? And what have they solved by, you know, building a fantasy platform? And then also, you know, why, Will like why will it make sense within esports? But why won't it make sense within esports? Like what are the areas that you know translate well, and what are the areas that don't translate well? And the big thing that you see, and you kind of when you really kind of open up, you know, kind of uh, you know the underlying you know, data and understanding of the users that play fantasy football, for example, you know, a, you know, if, if you imagine going to a a football stadium and, you know, before COVID and all this, and you looked around the stadium and all the people in the crowd, you know, you could probably, you know, you know, maybe a, a tenth of a percent of the people in the crowd were actual football players. Maybe they were, you know, playing in college or maybe they were former, you know, former pro players, like they were actively playing football. 
in esports, that's entirely different. You go to an esports stadium, and you know, ninety plus percent of the people that are in that are watching, you know, esports are gamers themselves, and more than likely, they're gamer. They play the games of you know the esports titles that they're that they're watching. Some of them are some of the best in the world. You know, they might be you know top tier you know players. Some of them might just be playing for fun, casual amateur players, and. And so we looked at that as sort of a telltale sign of, okay, fantasy as a whole, fantasy football, daily fantasy has been built for an audience that weren't, you know, actually players of the game themselves. They may have played in high school. They may have played when they were growing up or something, but they weren't actively playing. And so when you look at how does, how can we build a platform, build a fantasy experience that was you know, that was built for people that play the games themselves, you know, that's what, that's where kind of the underlying opportunity was for us because fantasy has been around for a while. Fantasy, you know, fantasy esports has been attempted, you know, a number of times before. And a lot of the, you know, reasons that it didn't take off was because people were just trying to replicate what traditional sports had done and replicate and then bring that to esports. And we've seen time and time again, every time someone tries to, you know, look at traditional sports and just try to, you know, it's not a one-to-one to esports. And we thought, okay, how can we, you know, make the viewing of esports, make the viewing of these broadcasts feel more similar to, you know, actually playing a game, playing a video game yourself, make it more we call it, you know, uh, you know, social uh, participatory social, where users are actively engaging in the content, you know, as part of the fantasy experience. Building, a, you know, building a lineup is just one part of it. Building, you know, a a roster of players that will be playing, you know, that you will, you know, score points for while and watch them compete, and then you're competing with other people. But what if there are more active elements incorporated into that? What if you could make adjustments in real time? What if you were, you know, while the game was happening, you could, you know, predict various events that are occurring during the game, whether it's who will get the first kill, blood, you know, uh, first blood, first objective, what items are being, like all these different sort of real time elements. uh, And how can we layer that into fantasy? And that's what has kind of, been the construct to what esports one is building with and bringing to fantasy is is saying okay we're gonna you know take a few of the elements of traditional fantasy we're gonna bring it to esports but what we're really gonna do is we're gonna build a fantasy platform you know for gamers and by gamers we're going to make fantasy esports you know feel more active feel more you know social feel more participatory more like the game than just picking and things like the and sitting back exactly and that's you know you can you can kind of think of you know what you know when you're if you're playing a card game like one real-time strategy games you know it can be very similar if you really kind of look at it there's a lot of similarities to you know to building a fantasy lineup and except that once you build a lineup in a card game or you know have a deck of cards you know, you actually, you're actively playing them against other people. Well, that's kind of what we see fantasy as, is you're building a lineup, but then while the game's happening, you're, you know, you're being given 
choices and, and, you know, kind of adjustments that you can make to your lineup. And then you're competing against, you know, a whole bunch of other people around the world and you're being ranked, you know, based off of how you're performing, you're getting, you know, we're starting to gamify the experience. You're getting levels and achievements and, and it's really in the same vein as what you'd experience. in real time. Exactly. It's all in real time. Okay. So what kind of games can a user participate in right now? Like different video game titles? Currently it's just as for league. Uh, so when it comes, when you look at, you know, this goes back to how we started, uh, you know, how we, the problems that we were starting early on with or solving with early on with esports one, it was around, you know, real time data capture and computer vision. And the only reason we're able to, to start to build this real time fantasy platform is because we have the capabilities to do it with our tech and we have the data that really, provides you know precise scoring and and ranking systems and ratings and all these different elements and we provide all that data to the users as well but uh as far as you know our computer vision as a whole you know we we can support i think it's up to seven different game titles at this point where you know when we say support we we can accurately accurately you know uh uh capture you know, with close to, I think it's 99.997% accuracy, you know, around a thousand different events, you know, every second on the screen. And we can do that for about six or seven game titles. I think we just added Rocket League. Um, but for actually building a fantasy kind of experience, like there's, you don't want to just template one game and then, you know, bring that same experience to a new game. You, you have to, look at fantasy for each game title needs to be completely unique in its own right. You know, the people that are going to be playing fantasy league of legends, they're going to be gamers that play league of legends. They're, you know, largely going to be people that, you know, have a lot of knowledge about league. Yeah. They play it. And so you have to look at the same way. If you were to do a fantasy call of duty or fantasy overwatch of, you know, building this sort of, you know, fantasy experience that feels that, you know, would relate to someone that is playing, that is a gamer of that game themselves. So currently we support League, but by, you know, uh, early next year, our goal is to have another two game titles added. But the big thing is that we don't, you know, we, we could add, you know, six new game titles tomorrow, you know, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't do fantasy, you know, esports, you know, it'd be doing a disservice um, because it's not, providing anything unique and, you know, you know, not to throw other kind of fantasy sites under a bus or anything, but it's just, we look at it as like, we're going to do fantasy league of legends really well and really unique. We're going to make it just like this fully engrossing platform and experience. And then as we add new game titles, it will have, it'll meet that same level of, you know, standards, you know, as we did for league of legends. Okay, so, you know, kind of how does it work? What are some of the categories that are involved? You know, what's like the standard lineup? If I wanted to sign up, you know, tell me a little about the user experience. Sure. So we we just introduced Ranked uh, Fantasy. So by right now, you know, you go on to, e, to Esports One and you can, you, you know, you pick a lineup, uh, you set, you know, a various sort of uh, uh, top laner, jungle, mid, bot lane, and a support and then you assign someone a captain and we added in this way this kind of element that uh you know the captain is not just someone that you want to give you know bonus points to it's is whoever you pick as your captain 
you also assign them champions that if they play one of those champions, that's how they get, you know, that's how you get bonus points. And then you, then you assign, then you also pick a team. But um, what we also have is, is we have one of the largest discord bots as well, discord integrations. And so users can make predictions during the games through discord and you can get predictions on, you know, who will anything from who will win to, you know, who will get the first kill, who will be the MVP, just sort of kind of higher level predictions done through Discord. Uh, and we recently introduced rank, uh, this rank system. So as you're, you know, making, building your lineup and, and performing each week and getting various, you know, whatever your score might be, you're you're receiving a rank and your rank is adjusting very similar to what you'd, you'd experience if you're playing, you know, ranked League of Legends. And so, it ties in that same sort of feel as if you were playing league. Now it's bringing it to, you know, fantasy. We haven't introduced the real, we're starting to beta, beta test the real time uh, element uh, this month, the next month, where not only are you building a lineup, but while the game's, you know, unfolding, that's when you start to, you know, have the ability to make adjustments to your lineup and, and you know, and edit attributes, add, you know, make predictions actually in the game or, you know, as an overlay or while you're watching the stream. Currently, you can do most of that through our Discord integration. But, yeah, currently, you know, we have, you know, tens of thousands of users that are setting lineups each week and competing against one another and, you know, a number of different private leaderboards. We, we basically set it up where, we have one giant league that everyone participates in. And then as part of that, you can create your own private leaderboards, which is sort of like creating your own, you know, sub league. So you can, you know, if you just want to play with your friends, well, you can do that, but you can also play against everyone else that's playing. And, and then, you know, every week we have various prizes that our partners provide, whether it's, you know, hardware or, you know, premium, you know, subscriptions to their platforms. And so it gives users an incentive right now uh, that if they, you know, come in first or second or third, you know, they're, they're, they'll be able to win, you know, a number of different prizes. Um, but yeah, by, by later, you know, next year or later this year, early next year, we'll start to really kind of take the next step with, uh, with real time as, you know, as a, a major part of the, the fantasy experience. Okay, so, you know, one thing that I've noticed and I've gotten this question a lot is, you know, how does kind of the licensing of the gamers likeness work? I know the NBA 2K League, a lot of people are like, oh, why don't they have, you know, esports for them? And it's just so easy, just like, you know, basketball stats. And, you know, one thing that I've kind of as a corollary is like, you know, for fantasy football, you get the rights from the NFLPA and, you know, these players associations that kind of negotiate on behalf of all of the players. And realistically, there aren't many of these kind of organizations in esports and professional gaming. And most of them are only really for select titles. So is this something that you had to do with like the League of Legends Player Association or, you know, how does it work in that respect? No, it's we have a partnership with Riot. And, uh, and so as part of kind of our you know, agreements there, it gives us, you know, the rights to use the images that are actually that Riot uses. We can't, you know, pull, you know, a bunch of different you know, images or photos from, you know, from the the teams themselves, like their websites and just use them. We basically just use, you know, just the, the public profile, you know, images and, and usernames 
that uh, that Riot provides as part of their league because that kind of falls under their licensing uh, and how as long as you know we're not you know selling access to the users or selling access to their I guess their lightness or or making kind of edits or adjustments and uh, and it's so it's very and that's kind of one of the big differences between you know traditional sports and and esports is a lot of the while the teams you know they obviously uh, they own the likeness to their, you know, their name and their brand as a part of a lot of these franchising agreements and working with the game publishers, they kind of give, you know, the, uh, the third parties, you know, at least access to, to use it in some regard. And I know Riot obviously has a lot more, you know, rights than, uh, than we would. So we don't, you know, we just have the, the, their, their player names and their logos on the site, which falls under our, our agreement. I think over time there will be, you know, the teams will, you know, we have really good relationships with all the teams and, and we're constantly working, you know, working with them, coming up with new ways to partner and, and, you know, be mutually beneficial to one another. They, a good a number of the teams in the LCS, you know, we, we send them, you know, a lot of uh, our stats at the end of each week. Cause we have a lot of, you know, data and insights that, that even they don't have. And, uh, but I think over time, the teams are going, you know, as part of just the growth of the space. And as it becomes, you know, a more, I guess, official players association, there are kind of various, you know, there's the riot, you know, League of Legends player association, but it's sort of, you know, I think there's going to be a much broader one um, over time. And maybe and that will start to kind of, you know, frame the usage of, uh, you know, team player likenesses a bit more definitively um i think up to this point it's been it's still been a bit of a gray area for a lot of people for us you know it's not it's not a gray area like we we work very closely with uh with riot and the teams and to make sure that we're in accordance you know and and uh, and that's very important for us like we you know we email meet with with riot if not on a weekly you know no no less than by bi-weekly basis just to you know, let make them aware of what we're building, what we're working on, you know, that if they have any issues with it to discuss it, you know, through with them. And, and obviously the use of logos and branding and player icons and images and all that, you know, are, are part of those discussions. And, and, uh, and so we make sure to, to stay in line there as best as possible. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense that as part of joining the franchise league, you give rights as a team that you have to your players and someone who's done a lot of these player deals whether you're giving the play the team that you're signed to exclusive likeness rights or just limited for whatever purpose they need makes sense that that's kind of how it all goes down that the publisher has the rights from the team and the team gets it from the player signing it and then you the third party gets the right from the publisher right exactly okay so you know this all sounds great and I'm really excited to see how you know, fantasy esports grows being someone who always loves fantasy, you know, playing fantasy football since I'm in high school, you know, mm-hmm. talking about 20 years ago kind of thing. And, you know, I love where it can go in the fan engagement and how you really kind of get super hyper fans, these people that just love a game or love a team or whatever it is and activate a whole community. I think that it's, you know, some of the best engagement you can get and, you know, I'm really excited. So, you know, where's the future of esports one and the fantasy platform? I know you mentioned some new games is, you know, is there something coming soon or is it a couple months away? Yeah, I think, I think the, the exciting part for us really is just how, you know, 
how wide reaching esports is as a whole. You know, we were before COVID's pandemic. I was uh, I was in South Korea, you know, meeting with a, a number of uh, companies over there, and and a lot of them hadn't even you know heard of fantasy sports before, and they hadn't you know it was kind of a especially daily fantasy that you know so like that was completely new to them and. This is the case in a lot of various regions around the world. And I think that is one exciting, really exciting piece is, you know, is as we build fan as we build esports one, you know, gamers as a whole, you know, you if you look at traditional sports, you know, tradi- football, the NFL is really big in North America. A lot of people watch it around the world, but there's not a NFL league in, you know, Europe or, you know, Korea or, you know, South America. But if you look at esports and gaming, you know, League of Legends is the same in North America as it is in Asia for the most part, as it is in, you know, Oceanic and South, you know, South America. And that's sort of the the really cool and unique part about all this is is what we're building really translates well globally, you know, it translates around to everyone. And it, it opens up just another level of untapped potential of, you know, of how we will, you know, provide this kind of new experience around, you know, this new type of fantasy for, you know, for everyone. I, you know, I, for one, don't believe that that fantasy esports or traditional fantasy sports you know, was and would ever translate, you know, perfectly to esports. It it always had to be something new and you had to think completely, you know, outside the box. And a lot of what we have planned and that we don't, you know, we haven't really talked about or we don't really, you know, um, talk much about just yet outside of just the real time piece is it really going to start to, you know, it's going to make transform how you think of just fantasy as a whole, what fantasy sports looks like as a whole. And that's kind of what's, you know, the the most exciting part is what you see today, you know, is going to be completely different than what it looks like in a year or two from now. And our goal at Esports One is to really be at the forefront of that and really, you know, start to push the bar- boundaries and barriers of what's, you know, what people are used to and introduce, you know, these new concepts. It's not just about taking traditional fantasy and replicating it and, you know, and building these marketing, you know, budgets and trying to just acquire as many users as possible. Like, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel, they spend five, $600 per user to acquire a new user. And so, you know, you have to, your margins on, on user acquisition of that, you know, that, that costs that much or, you know, razor thin. And so it's more going to be about building kind of the ecosystem around fantasy, building the community around fantasy and what that looks like and how that is sort of, you know, created. And that's why we built a, you know, a Discord integration that's installed on, you know, six, 7,000 servers. And it's a, you know, it's an esports bot that provides a lot of value outside of fantasy. You know, you can find when your favorite team is playing, you get, you know, research on players, you can pull up stats on teams, all these different things. But it also integrates and incorporates, you know, esports one fantasy as part of the Discord integration as well. You know, we have esports calendar, we have esportspedia, and these are all sort of just kind of community, you know, components that, you know, feed into this ecosystem that we're building. And I think that is 
that is what esports one, you know, that's what the future looks like is this kind of 360 degree, you know, ecosystem that, you know, kind of re, you know, um, you know, reimagines what just esports as a whole is going to be and, and how fantasy esports is, is, you know, is really going to, you know, be a catalyst to what the future of this industry will, uh, you know, will be for decades to come. And all that data. Oh, wow. So it's going to be a lot of user data you're getting, I'm sure. The, yeah, I mean, understanding what it, understanding you just, you can kind of just think in terms of if I know what, you know, understanding what a favorite, a play or a user's favorite team is, what, you know, what events they follow the most, what pages, you know, they're, you know, they're uh, spending the most time on. What players they select the most, who they select select the captain. Yeah. And you can obviously will allow users can opt out, but this will start to really kind of, you know, and this really start to customize kind of the, you know, the, the fantasy experience as a whole, like, if I'm, you know, most people, if I'm a League of Legends fan, I might not be an Overwatch fan. So, you know, we will build an experience that's that's custom to you and what you like the most and what you enjoy. You know, what maybe you're brand new to esports or you're brand new to League of Legends. Well, your fantasy experience should be, you know, as if you were brand new to this game. It should be more educational. It should be more informative. It should explain what you know, what abilities are, what items do, you know, what, how the every point is, you know, earned. But if you're a hardcore player or been a fan for years or been a gamer your entire life, you know, you might want a, a lot more of an analytical experience. And so there's horizontal and vertical kind of, you know, uh, pathways that, especially around kind of just the user experience that's driven by, you know, the data, the underlying data, both the users as well as the players and the teams themselves. And, and that's obviously, you know, something that we're, we're very uh, focused on as well. Awesome. Well, you know, this sounds great. I'm definitely going to be excited to see how everything evolves and the games that you bring in. So, you know, I really like to kind of end each episode with my three questions. So I think I might know the answer to this one, but you know, what's your favorite game to watch? So it, I mean, it's obviously, it's been League, League of Legends for, for quite some time. Uh, and that's kind of just always been kind of my, my go-to. I've, uh, I've always been a, a big uh, Team Liquid and Cloud9 fan for, for, for a while. I do enjoy, you know, I, I enjoy all sorts of uh, streams. I watch, you know, I love, you know, when Counter-Strike, when they're in the majors. And I'm a big, you know, fan of watching Counter-Strike matches. I'm, I've gotten into watching a lot of Valorant, you know, I think that's, you know, got a, a whole lot to, uh, excitement to come and, but it will always, you know, it will, it will be league league for, for quite some time. I don't see my, uh, I don't see myself kind of swaying away from that. Okay. So what's your favorite game to play? So I'm not going to say league again. Uh, I do, you know, I do play league a good bit. I play Valorant a bunch. I like a lot of indie games. That's because I, you know, I'm kind of, I don't have nearly as much time to play, you know, a couple of, you know, 40, 50 hour long games, Um, especially just the emotional toll it can take on you as well. So I enjoy, you know, I enjoy like, you know, the Terraria or Factorio type games, or, you know, there was a, Risk of Rain 2 came out, like these sort of, you know, these sort of games that are just more, 
they might not all be indie games, but they're just kind of, you, you can jump in for 20, 30 minutes and, and kind of have a, you know, play a fun game. I, I play card, you know, card games every once in a while, but really, I mean, I'm constantly, you know, my team, it, it drives the, my, my team uh, uh, crazy because I'm always, you know, playing some new game on Steam just to kind of, uh, it's my way of really kind of just zoning out and kind of, you know, kind of stop thinking about work and everything. And especially nowadays with everything going on, it's like, it's kind of a, a nice outlet that doesn't require a lot of mental, you know, uh, acuity, but, uh, but it's still enjoyable. So yeah, a lot, a lot of those kind of base builder type games are, have always been a big fan of mine. Nice. So, you know, who's your favorite video game character, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu, you know, any, any of those? Uh, I mean, I grew up with Mario. I'm, I like Crash Bandicoot. Uh, that, he was always uh, a fun one to play. But I'll, I'll always, uh, I'll always be a Yoshi fan. I'm a big, I, I'm a big dog lover, and I kind of see him as like a little pet dog. So I would have to say I have to go with Yoshi. Okay, I definitely can see that one. He's definitely great for Mario Kart. Absolutely. Um. So you know, thank you so much for joining me. This is extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, we're we're all over social esports one. Uh, you just search for it on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, best place though is to join our Discord. It's uh, discord.gg slash e and then the number one. So Discord GG slash e one. And that's where that's really where we built out, you know, a couple thousand person community there and people talk about fantasy and anime and gaming and league and so it's uh as well as all of the staff is is on esports uh on our discord so that's that's usually the best place to find us okay so you hear it first everyone join the discord and you'll be able to get in this whole fantasy world and maybe win some prizes there you go so thanks everybody again for tuning in make sure to follow me on twitter justin jesq and check apple podcast for all our past episodes Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.